Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Ms. Susan Weed. Our conversation is going to continue about the 13 sacred trees. We'll be back right after this. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Is that my 
local New Age store, or whatever you want to call it, Witchy Shop, has closed down. Uh, I believe they're relocating, as they said on their website. I helped them relocate the last time. I helped them move. Uh, And I had not heard any communication from them. I we actually I was taking a friend to visit their store and they just weren't there so uh, I just hope everything is well with them. I won't say their names I guess on there but I, I hope everything is well with them and that uh, they are just regrouping and relocating. And as you know that model sometimes doesn't work. You know having the new age shop but I think they they made it work for about six seven years or so. And um, it's just one of those businesses that even in an area around here sometimes uh, sometimes closes down, if you know what I mean. Uh, I do, so I would... indeed. And, you know, part of it is that being in retail is very demanding. Exactly, exactly. And, and being in northern Virginia, high rents, very high rents. And you look around the store, I'm like, they're selling incense and crystals, readings. And I, I, I sometimes I think to myself, can they afford this Northern Virginia rent on this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to speculate their business or give them business advice, but because um, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. So, um, And, of course, in this day when many people find it easier to run a virtual operation than right. what are they being called, mortar and brick operations. Exactly. Exactly. So it just sad to me because I met so many people, including the co-founder of this network I met here. He was a reader there. Uh Um, Uh-huh. Well, that, that of course, is is the real loss because, mm -hmm. of course, the goods and things, the incense and crystals, those can be gotten online at fairs and so on. But what can't be replaced is the community and the meeting space. Yeah, because to people of... Other faiths, whether you want to call it pagan, New Age, I'm just trying to be a little bit politically correct here, is to to some of those folks, that's almost like their church, is their local New Age shop. They have meetups and classes and herbal classes, and they did all of that. Um, uh, They had readers. They had herbal medicine classes. They had uh, hoodoo and conjure classes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Drum circles. I used to go to their drum circle on Fridays, every, every once a Friday a month. And so it is a loss in that in that personal, because the online world is one thing, but the personal connection, and I, I'm sorry, I won't go on about this too long, <laughs> but I'm just saying, but the personal connection is, is it's something else. Everything is still about people, whether it's online or not. So making those personal connections, making that, you know, seeing things and doing things and occasionally helping out or chipping in and, you know, all of that kind of stuff <clears throat> with these businesses and everything. And at the end of the day, it's a business, and, and I understand that. Um, but to many, at it's the, Right, simple. at the end of the day, they have to pay their bills. They do. They do. And <clears throat> that can be difficult. I know that um, I, many years ago, I helped found a woman's center, and we did it by, you know, renting a place full-time and you know, we wanted to have everything there and all kinds of services. And in pretty short order, we burned ourselves out and burned out our wallets as well. Right. And we regrouped, and I said, 
Why don't we rent a space and have some kind of gathering once a week? Because it's really about the people and the gathering. And that went on for, gosh, over 15 years. Oh, yeah. Right, because we didn't have to cover any of those bills. We just paid rent. That was it. For one night a week. And that that we could do. So I really learned a lot about looking at what I'm biting off and having some uh, knowledge about my chewing ability. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing, like, uh, I've, I've seen so many things, I guess, in, in the, I'm using this word very loosely, the alternative spirituality world, because it was very diverse. And I've seen it happen before. One was actually a beautiful coffee shop. They were trying everything to stay in business. And what didn't seem like a bad model, really, but and they failed, too. Um, who knows why? One survives, one doesn't. Some people go into it already having a little money, and they're just doing it as a hobby. I've ran into people like that, too. Uh, so their shop stays open. You know, uh, Who knows? Uh, there's so many factors that can go into it. Uh, but like I said, these... Sh- these stores for pagans and for others uh, almost are like temples to them in some ways, depending on on, on how complex or, or whatever or active the store is. Um, so it's it's uh, now around here. I'm in Northern Virginia, so there's many other places for people of those leanings to go. I was just saying that in this neighborhood, particularly, I I, I guess on the air I'm just saying to them, I, I hope they're doing okay, and that I hope. They're bouncing back, I guess. That is a wonderful image to put out into the universe, and especially when we remember the law of three, that whatever we put out comes back to us three times. Well, certainly if we put out blessings and healing energy, it it wouldn't be uh, difficult to accept that back three times. Mm -hmm. And I have been... So would it be. Absolutely, similar to be. And we are up to the 11th lunation. Yes. We've been talking about the trees of the 13 moons, which is a series of trees that is connected to Ogum, which is thought to be a proto-alphabet that moved both into uh, alphabet that we know and also runes, which are used quite frequently in magical workings. And the Ogum had the advantage of being hieroglyphic in that it could convey emotion and multiple meanings as opposed to an alphabet um, which is supposed to be, you know, just a kind of sterile letter, of course, to teach it. Um, we make it hieroglyphic. A is for apple. A is for alligator. A is A is for angry. So that we, so that we uh, start to add that emotional context to it. But the alphabet doesn't have it. Ogum certainly does. <clears throat> and these trees and the trees of the thirteen moons have stories to tell us, ways that they are useful. And really interesting 
following along the line of the thought process of those who put the system together. And it's certainly one of the things that fascinates me. I like to do crossword puzzles, and I travel, so I wind up doing crossword puzzles in, shall we call them strange cities or different cities, not not the place that I usually do. And I find if I do the crossword puzzle in, you know, the usual newspaper, well, I get to know the mind of the person who's making up that crossword puzzle. And it's easier for me to know what words they have in mind. It's almost like we have a kind of mind-reading thing going back and forth. And I see this really clearly when I'm in a different town. And suddenly it's like the simplest clue, and I just can't get it because I'm not in the mind of that person. So I think for us to understand Ogham, we need to see if we can get into the minds of the people who use that. Can we get into the minds of the people who didn't have cell phones, didn't have connectivity, didn't have um, these complaints that we've been grouching about, that that people you know, pay attention to their apparatuses and, and not to the other people around them? No, to these people, there was nothing but the natural world, including other people. And so everything took on a great import and many of the stories from those times passed down to us. Ivy, our tree of the 11th lunation or gort is one of the trees of the last half of this series, which as I said at the beginning, I'm going to have to justify the mean trees to our minds. When we move into the mindset of the people who created the trees of the 13 moons, the trees of the Ogham, um, we can see that it's just our problem with the word tree. And we take tree to mean something with one, usually one trunk. And uh, a whole bunch of leaves, and those are very long time. And as we're seeing these other things that we're looking at, the holly, the bramble, the grapevine, the hazel, that these are not trees in the sense of a, the way a school child might draw a tree, but they are trees in the sense of, yes, they do live a very long time. And although they don't have one trunk, sometimes they have a very long vine, which can get bigger and bigger and woodier and woodier. Ivy, not so much with the big and woody vine. And here we're talking about Hedera Helix English Ivy. This is the kind of Standard evergreen ivy for which the Ivy League is named. The ivy colored, covered halls of learning. The ivy that they are covered in is Hedera helix, also known as English ivy. And one of the possible trees of the 10th lunation was the vine Vitus vinifera, the vine of life and Hedera helix in a very similar way could be said to mean the vine of life. Helix, of course, is the DNA. It is the spiral. And that ongoing spiral and movement of the ivy. 
Ivy is not like the vine, however. I talked about how the vine gives us a model of how we work well together in community. Well, Ivy does not. Ivy does not play well with others. As Ivy grows, it sends out little air roots, and at the end of these air roots are little suction cups. And they, the ivy suctions itself onto other living things like trees as well as buildings. Those little suction cups produce an acid. And that acid actually destroys the mortar in between the bricks. If you have a brick building and it's an ivy-covered building, you better tear the ivy down or else the ivy will tear the building down. It will gradually dissolve the mortar, and the whole building will simply fall down. Or, as somebody said, it doesn't fall down the way you would think, because the ivy actually holds it up, but then you daren't take the ivy down. Bad enough if you're a building, but if you're a tree, that little suction cup and the acid that comes out of it actually starts to penetrate through the bark of the tree. And this is especially true if it's at the limb of a tree where the bark is thin. And then the root from the ivy actually goes in there and starts to take the nourishment of the plant that it is on for itself. So although ivy grows by itself and although it produces chlorophyll and could, in fact, get along just fine by itself, ivy prefers to mooch. Ivy prefers to grow on something else, to lean on that something else for support, unlike the grapevine, which, as we saw, gets woody. And although it embraces and hangs around, it does not do as Gort does to grasp to adhere, to attach, and to latch on. So we have this, I would call it a codependent relationship, except that it's not even a nice codependent relationship because the ivy will eventually kill the tree that it is growing on. Now, as we said, English ivy, it's pretty with like this idea of the, the ivy-covered ivy building. But because we like that, people take ivy into their gardens and they grow it. And it has gotten all the way to the west coast of the United States. In the east coast, the heavier winters that we experience seem to keep English ivy somewhat in check. But as it goes west and gets to the milder winters, English ivy resumes more of its, as one author put it, wolf-like desire to eat everything in its sight. And I have certainly been in places on the West Coast where English ivy has grown up. Every single tree, you can't even tell that they're trees anymore. They look like towers of English ivy and has completely overtaken the ground as well. So that it is crawling and creeping all over every inch of the ground. And there is no understory or small plants at all, but simply a park that is a floor to ceiling, wall to wall, if I can use those terms, although we're outside, English ivy. There are, of course, squads and crews of people devoted 
to eliminating the English ivy. And I do not wish them well, ill, although they wish ill on this plant. But when you're that avaricious and when you attach with that much force, then I guess you kind of know that people are going to come at you in that way, especially if you take over the way English ivy is quite capable of doing. Now, we also talked about the vine and Bacchus, and that Bacchus is the Roman god of the vine, and that Bacchus was always playing around and having a really good time. And we also know that um, Bacchus... Uh, led the Bacchanalian rituals. But it's said that at one of these Bacchanalian rituals, um, a young maid overdid it. You know how you can get when you're young and you don't really know your limits. And she danced too much and she drank too much and she danced too much and she drank too much and she died. And Dionysus, in his great compassion for her, turned her into the ivy plant. Lovely little legend there. It is also said that the Roman god Saturn was quite fond of ivy, and thus it was always a decoration in the Saturnalia festivals. In ancient Egypt, if you wanted to become a priestess of the goddess Nephthys, and Nephthys is... uh, the sister of Isis, then a woman must be born in the month of Ivy, October, because that is the month of Nephthys. If you want to dream of your lover, put an ivy leaf under your pillow. But beware, if you dream of Ivy, your lover is going to break up with you. Ivy has been used in lots and lots of love spells. Note that it's love spells, not love potions. Did I mention that ivy is poison? Very poisonous. Do not use ivy internally. Occasionally, people have messed around with using it externally, but I'm not even so sure that that's a wise thing to do. So we're just going to be talking about symbolic and magical uses of ivy. We are not in any way going to consume or make any remedies with ivy. We would use it, as we said, in love spells, and especially when we want a love that is going to be faithful and fruitful. So it's not the kind of love spell for let's have a fun weekend and never see each other again. Ivy, as we just said, Ivy is the kind of thing that really clings. I personally, I would be kind of loath to use Ivy in a love spell because I would be concerned that I would attract someone very clinging to me and I don't especially like clinging people. Now, if you like clinging people, ivy would be just the thing for you. Or perhaps if you are looking for a gift for
for a marrying couple, and summer is the time for marrying couples. An ivy wreath is a wonderful thing to give a marrying couple because it symbolizes that their union will be faithful, they will be true to each other, and that they will bring out the best in each other. So we have, in a way, those two aspects of the wolf, don't we? Some people look at the ivy leaf, which is, it could be seen as like having a long snout and two ears. It's actually looking like a wolf's face, although ivy leaves can occur in various shapes. The mature leaves almost always have this wolf's face. And we're frightened of wolves, and wolves tear, and they rend, and they eat, and they tear down buildings, and they suck up the juices from other trees. But wolves are also family animals, and they are faithful to their family and their pack. So ivy in the same way is something that we can have a little fear about, but we can also learn something about what what fidelity is. The infused oil that I mentioned of ivy leaves has been used for especially sore joints. I guess if you have a joint that's really sore, making an oil from a poisonous plant and putting in that jar joint makes a certain amount of sense. It's almost like we hope that we can poison the bad things that are going on in that joint. More interestingly, the oil of English ivy has been used against sunburn. And while we're talking about that, let me be very, very clear here. English ivy is not poison ivy, nor is it ground ivy. English ivy has is Hedera helix. It is a vining plant with shiny evergreen leaves that look kind of like a long-snouted wolf with ears. Poison ivy is not evergreen, although the leaves can be shiny. It is also a vine, but the leaves occur in three parts. You could say that there's three parts to the ivy leaf, but those parts are joined so that it really does look like a a wolf's head from above, whereas in the poison ivy, there are three separate leaflets, and they are not at all related either. Poison ivy is not poison, except it makes a rash, and we wouldn't want to eat it either. And ground ivy, yet a different plant, is a small mint that grows in yards, right? So, glaucoma hederaceae, hederaceae, like ivy, hedera helix, hederaceae, a C-A ending here. It means that it is like something that is a a clue that they're, we're using a word to refer back to another plant. And this is why it is called ground ivy, because in, somehow in people's minds it was related to Hedera helix, the true ivy. But as far as botanists and herbalists and everybody else is concerned, no, they're not really related at all. These three plants, although they all end with ivy. English ivy, the one we're talking about, poison ivy, stay away from it, and ground ivy, a wonderfully useful plant in the mint family. Ivy, of course, 
is the crown that crowns the poets. And we crown the poet with ivy because wearing an ivy crown prevents intoxication. Well, at least we hope it does. One of the reasons that ivy is the tree of October is because it is one of the last plants to flower. And one year I was staying in a house that had an ivy-covered chimney. And I was so surprised to see the bees making their last foraging rounds into the ivy flowers there in October, even as the air was getting cold. Any day that was sunny that the bees could fly, they were there at the holly getting the nectar from the holly flowers. I'm sorry, the ivy flowers. Holly, of course, is often put with ivy for Christmas decorations. And in my mind, I was envisioning the ivy that we picked and the holly. The holly and the ivy are well known in song as well as in lore. Now, you know, before the days of the Internet where we could just say, find me a good wine bar, and before the days of the the uh, AAA or Michelin, which would give stars to places where there was good wine, before that there was the sign of the ivy. And this was the old way of knowing where the best wine was. Only the inns that served really good wine were allowed to have ivy on their sign or in their name. Ivy is usually the tree of Halloween, Samhain, the great holiday when the veil between the worlds thins and the ancestors and ancient ones are available to us. Halloween, October 31st, and Day of the Dead, November 1st. Same idea. The dead are here to hear us, to help us, to offer us whatever guidance they can from wherever they are. And then that veil thickens again until the next year, until the ivy wears that veil thin, grasping and adhering to it and stretches it so that we can reach across Gort, the tree of the 11th moon. And it is always an interesting time because there's two times of the year when the when the veil is thin and it's it's always been interesting to me that one is to celebrate um those who've passed or to honor those who have passed and the other is built in so on the other side of the as things tend with polarities uh the spring the time of life is also when the veil is thin as well yes yes all that Coming into being the Saint Blaise and the Feast of Flames. Mm hmm. Well, it's uh, the half hour, I think, is just about up, Susan. The time for is indeed so. We will come back next week and talk about actually one of my favorite of this last set of six trees, 
and that is reed. Yes, the big Phragmites reed that you see in wetlands grows all over the world and has some very interesting uses and lore. All right. And I'm going to soon start labeling these shows differently, too, so people can find them a little easier. I've been insanely busy, but we are going to expand, as I said. And I thank you so much for being part of Main Street Universe. And you are welcome, and green blessings to all of our listeners. Herbal medicine stretches across the ages right out to you and your back door because herbal medicine has always been people's medicine. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll finish with our plug. And then a song from my band, Dragon Said. The song will be I Will Find You Again. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
Radio Network.